there is a plot to kill Jesus. So he's gone underground until it's time. And tonight, he's gathered in Bethany with his disciples, including the recently raised Lazarus, for a quiet dinner in his honor. In less than a week, they will observe the Passover and tell the story again. Moses and Pharaoh, enslavement and deliverance, blood on the door sill and bodies on the beach, and people saved and grateful to God. But death hangs heavy in the air tonight already. The life of the one who turned water into wine, who fed the hungry and healed the sick and raised Lazarus from the dead is under threat. This is no ordinary dinner. With all they must be thinking and feeling, with everything at stake, it's no time for good manners and polite banter and reluctant faith and hesitant belief and restrained discipleship. Mary's been with them for years now. So when she approaches Jesus slowly and awkwardly with a pound of perfume worth a year's wages, they see the expression on her face and realize that, that something has come over her. Everyone gets quiet, set down the silverware, quiet the clatter of cups and dishes. She comes to where Jesus is reclined. She sits at his feet. She opens the perfume. And she pours. There is a Jewish burial custom called Tahara where the body of the deceased is carefully prepared by loved ones. First, the body is uncovered, and then it is washed, and great care is taken to wash away, to stop any blood flowing, wash it away, any other bodily fluids, take everything off, including jewelry. Next, the body is ritually cleansed and purified with a continuous stream of water, traditionally three buckets full. I imagine such a cherished ritual is very much on Mary's mind this evening. For when Mary opens the perfume and pours it out, she does it as solemnly and as liberally as if she were preparing Jesus for burial. The finest fragrance poured with extravagance, running over Jesus' feet onto and over the seat and until its rivulets fall into the cracks in the floor. It's also custom to dry the body. But using no towel, Mary unfurls her hair and wipes his feet. Judas is appalled. I have to imagine he made some kind of gasp, like the room was really quiet and you just hear someone going, <coughs> John says it's a, a waste of the perfume that gets to him, that Judas is a thief, that he wants the value of that perfume to himself. 
That when Judas sees a year's salary soaking into the heart pine floors, he sees what could have been his and he scolds Mary for wasting it. But I wonder this. I wonder if Judas was set off by the full-hearted intimacy of it all. Mary's evocative show of affection for Jesus. What with her long hair and his feet, and I won't get into how suggestive this year's this is because then I'll start turning red. But what I can tell you is this. Mary feels the weight in the air and the heaviness of this moment. And she knows it's no time for reluctant faith and hesitant belief and restrained discipleship. This is not the time for civilities and good manners and making sure that we'll be safe if we do or do not. This is the time for following Jesus with prodigal extravagance, abundant wastefulness, even excessive faith. Could there be such a thing? Southern writer Sean Dietrich, he tells of the time in church he went down for the invitation. Now in his church at that time, the invitation was like the longest part of the service. And the preacher just stand up there until somebody would come. Have you ever been to one of those services? I have been to one of those services. He said, you only went down for the invitation at this church if you really send something big. So everybody knew everybody. Everybody already been saved. What are you coming down for? You did something wrong. Something bad happened. But this was just after his father had taken his own life with a shotgun. And Sean said, I came forward because I didn't know what else to do. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't think. I couldn't do anything. And death hung heavy in the air as he poured himself out in front of God and everybody. Sean said the preacher knelt beside him, put a warm hand on his shoulder and cried with him. And he said, when I glanced behind myself, he said, the entire church had their hands on me. And if they couldn't reach me, they were touching someone in front of them. And I could see people stretching all the way out into the lobby. Together, he said, the whole church formed a human spider web. An embrace. Maybe Judas is secretly envious of Mary, who's being paying such close attention to the extravagant love of Jesus and his ministry that she's beginning to look more like Jesus than everyone else in the room. If Judas isn't in it for the money, he's at least appalled by the sheer wasteful, unpredictable, profligate-hearted, touchy-feely mess of it all. Jesus is always overwhelming our expectations and sabotaging our comfort and drawing us into close encounters with God that leave us disoriented and changed forever. And that's what this is all about. And now even with, with death thick as, as fog in the air, Mary's catching on.
But isn't this what Jesus was always teaching us to do? From the wedding at Cana to the feeding of the 5,000, leaving us with more than we need and spending more than we thought was necessary. So what's to prevent us from, what's to prevent us from splurging? What's to stop us from splurging to make an over-generous gift? Finally, sharing the confession we've been holding back. Or finally, pouring out the tears that we don't want anyone to see. Giving an abundance of attention to our dear ones. Pouring it out on them. Opening the bottle we keep saving for a special occasion. How many of you do you have a special bottle? You're saving for a special occasion. When is the special occasion going to come? <laughs> Open it. (laughs) How many times someone, a a dear one dies and that person is, is either speaking to me or I see them on social media or I hear about it through a friend they say, or they say it in the eulogy at the funeral, please seize the moment, tell them If there's someone in your life that's dear to you, tell them. Pour yourself out to them. Make sure they know. Sinking into depths of prayer where we were afraid to go before. Making ourselves vulnerable in the sight of others for others' sake. Isn't this the kind of faith Jesus is calling us to? With death thick as smoke all around us. You remember the New York Times had 100,000 people that died in the pandemic and they made a big deal about it. It was all over the front page, all these tiny little names everywhere. Well, where are we now? A million. Death is hanging thick in the air. And what is the church for today? Extravagant faith. Outlandish faith. Across our nation, across our communities, and in our church, death holds the headlines. We long for extravagant, fragrant outpourings of love to overwhelm and disperse the stench of death. And these outpourings will come from disciples whose hearts have been broken open by what Jesus has done for us. I may have told you this story before, and I just can't remember. But when I was a a student in seminary, I had to learn how to be a chaplain as part of class stuff you know had to meet these conditions so they sent me into the hospital at the age of 22 (laughs) to go into people's rooms and pray with them and i didn't know anything about pain loss didn't know very much about death i go into a man's room he's dying He's in the heart tower. It won't be much longer. I remember he was tall, elegant man. Beautiful man. He'd been in the Air Force and he told me stories of his time in the military and all the close encounters that he had had with death. And somewhere along the way, we just clicked. He smiled at me, I smiled at him, and he just, I don't know, he liked the cut of my jib, and I liked the cut of his. And the lady 
uh, a nurse uh, comes in with his meal, and he says, would you do me a favor? Would you go get us some olive oil? And she went and got some olive oil and brought it back, and he took the olive oil and he broke it open, and he dabbed his thumb in it, and he said, lean closer, son. And I leaned over his bed, and he made the cross on my forehead and blessed me for a life of ministry. Who was the chaplain? <laughs> we just did a similar thing here the other night. Wednesday night, we invited people to come down and ministers made the sign of the cross on people's forehead with a fragrant oil. And I was so struck by how when people were coming forward, they had tears in their eyes and they were naming the specific things that they wanted to be healed of. And it was very powerful. Well, I don't believe in all that stuff and healing and all that stuff. Well, in this text, who would say that? Mary or Judas? It's real stuff and powerful stuff that we hold here together. And it's time to unleash it while the air is thick with death. See, Mary's stunning extravagance mirrored on the cross. Soon the centurion will come and he will pierce Jesus' side and priceless life will pour out. Will pour out of the one who loves us with an extravagant love that overwhelms the world and overcomes it. Amen.